All right. Well, some of you, a lot of talking going on in the room. I assume some of you had some exciting news about the new year. Some of you are going, you know, I got nothing. <laughs> I got nothing. But good morning. Almost happy new year. If you have your Bibles, open to Hebrews chapter 10 today. Hebrews chapter 10 as we look at a passage that's going to help us close out 17 and anticipate and launch into 2018. Pray with me. Father God, thank you so much. Thank you for your goodness, your grace. Uh, thank you for all that you have been teaching us throughout the year 2017. Father, as we reflect back, uh, for every one of us, I know for me, Father, it's had high points, it's had low points. It's had extreme um, pleasures and it's had painful times. But Father, that's, that's life. And as we uh, kind of put a wrap on it today and anticipate next year, I pray that we would listen to you and your wisdom. Thank you for your word. Thank you for how it helps us. Um, helps us, Father, to not just have a, another year, but uh, hopefully it's truly a new year. It's new. It's fresh. It's different. That's my prayer for my friends here today. We ask you to do that through your wisdom, not through mine. In Christ's name, amen. So the question of the morning is this, and see how you would answer it. Are, because we got less than 24 hours now in 2017. So here's my question. Are you finished? Yes or no? Ah, you don't even know how to answer that, do you? Why do you, not, why do you struggle to answer that? Because you want to ask me a question, right? What do you want to ask me? With what? You can't just say, are you finished? It demands a question back this direction. Well, what are you talking about? With what? With what? Physically... The answer is no, we're not finished, because you wouldn't be here if you were finished. So we're breathing, we're alive at the end of 2017, at least up to this moment. But what about if I answered your question, are you finished uh, with life? Not physical life, but life. So what makes up real life? Are you finished with whatever you would say in life makes life matter? Now the question changes, doesn't it? See, what are the, some of the things that make life really matter in the end? Give me some one-word answers. Life is made up of family. Are you finished with what you want to do with your family? What else? Faith. Are you finished with your faith? Are you finished growing? Are you all that God wants you to be? Are you all that God wants you to do? 
What are your goals? What are your dreams in the areas of life that really matter? And without a doubt, I knew if I asked the question, you're smarter than me, you'd come up with faith, family. Those are the big two, aren't they? You see, we could answer that question in a lot of different ways, but the question is, when you think about the things that really make life matter, the goals, the dreams, in the area of what matters most, as you think, what would I really want my life to be like? We just are on the verge of completing 2017. Because most of you a year ago were thinking, man, I hope 2017 is better than 16. And for some of you, the answer to that would be, yeah. It's better. Brothers would say, you know, I think I took three steps backwards. Let me kind of give you a metaphor to play with this morning as we talk about how to reach for new heights in 2018. New heights for a new year. If life were captured with the metaphor of climbing a 10,000-foot mountain, What's your elevation? What's your elevation right now? In fact, let me take some samples here. How, what's the highest that some of you in the room have ever climbed? How many, anybody, anybody hit 10,000? Anyone who's ever been to 10,000, raise your hand. Wow, look at that. How about 12,000? Raise your hand. How about 14,000? Raise your hand. A few of you hit 14,000. How about, what, what's the highest in the room? How high? Anyone 15,000 and up? 15,000? Only one 15? Two 15. How high? 15,5. You don't want to leave off the last five feet, do you? <laughs> okay. 15,5. What about over here? 15,20. Was that because you climbed the tree on top of the mountain that he climbed or what? Oh, 20,000. Okay, let me tell you something. Just this past year, I hit 35,000. I climbed 35,000. You know how I know that? Because the pilot came on and said, <laughs> we have reached our altitude, and we are now, you can unbuckle your seatbelt. Yeah, man, it was exhilarating. <laughs> exhilarating. I, had to, I didn't even have to train for it. Yeah, I mean, wow. I can't imagine... 10,000, 12,000, 15, 20,000. What, what, where'd you go 20,000? Who, who said 20? Where? In, in China. And you weren't on a plane like me, were you? The Himalayas. Wow. Congratulations. So if life is that, I mean, if climbing that mountain, and we're going to limit it to 10,000 so most of us could at least imagine it, if your life and achieving the goals that you think God has for you is a 10,000-foot peak, where would you peg your elevation right now? And for some of you, you'd say, you know, Dale, I think I'm actually a little below sea level. <laughs> Others would say, I'm kind of at the 5,000-foot in base camp. Others would say, you know, I think I'm about 7,000. This has been a pretty good Pretty good year, pretty good life. And others would say, you know, Dale, I'm about cresting 9,000 and I'm climbing. This has been a great year. But every one of us could say, if my life was climbing the 10,000 peak, what is your elevation right now? Picture a number. Don't say it. Just picture it. Next question. 
where do you want to be on this day in 2018? One year from now, where do you want to be? What would that look like? What would would that look like for your family, for your relationships, friendships? What would that look like for your faith? What would that look like in terms of your impact on our world? See, most of us, if you're going to go higher next year than you went last year, you're going to need two things. Here they are. I've given you an outline if you want to follow along. You're going to need some new hope and new help. Because without hope, you stay in the sleeping bag. You never make it out of the tent. And without help, you're probably not going to go higher than you went last year. So I look for a passage in God's Word that would communicate both both new hope and new help. And here is what I found. Listen to the Word of God, Hebrews chapter 10. Let's read it and then we'll talk about it. Beginning in verse 19. Therefore, brethren, in other words, in light of all that Christ has done for us, which has been explained before. Therefore, brethren, since... Since or because we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the flesh, through the veil that is his flesh. And since we have a new great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart, with full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us, notice three times, underline them, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. What I want to show you in this passage is that it is full of new hope and new help. First of all, new hope for new heights. That's the first three verses. New hope for new heights. And there's actually three new things that he talks about in verse 19 to 20. One, here they are. He says, since we have a new since we have confidence, we have a new sense of confidence now to enter the presence of God. He calls it the holy place. He's referring and using symbolism of, of the Jews going into the temple to worship where the presence of God was always hidden behind a huge veil. And this veil was to protect them because as sinful people, we can never come into the direct presence of a holy God. He says, hey, let us, since we have new confidence, to enter into the holy place, come into the presence of God through the blood of Christ. What's he talking about? He's talking about the death of Christ. He's talking about the impact that Christ and what he did on the cross when he died for your sins and my sins and he rose from the dead to prove that he was the sacrifice for mankind. He says because of that, we have confidence. Not because of us, but because of Christ. That as you go in in 2018, no matter how bad your 2017 was, 
It doesn't matter whether you feel like you made another 1,000 feet in elevation in 18 or 17, or if your 2017 would be best pictured by a climber that all of a sudden lost his grip and tumbled down the side of the mountain 1,000 feet. Because some of you right now feel like, you know, in 16, I think I was at 7,000 feet, but now I feel like I'm back at base camp in 5,000 feet, and I'm going lower every day. See, so what he's saying is, no matter where you are in life, we have confidence to say, I want to come into the very presence of God in 2018 because Christ has died for me. His blood has made me pure. Scripture says that the blood of Christ, he says, though our sins are like scarlet, he makes us white as snow. And it's a symbol, it's a metaphor for how cleansed we are. See, so God has accomplished that forgiveness. So no matter what your 2017, the fears, the failures, the falls that you took are forgiven, period. You don't earn that forgiveness. It's yours because of Christ. We have new confidence when we're tempted at times to doubt and wonder, does God still love me? Does God really forgive me? Can God really put up with someone like me that went down the hill, not up the hill in 17? The answer is, you bet. God is with you whether you are climbing higher or whether you're in your worst fall of your life. Number two, we have a new confidence. We have a new and living way. He says, since we, have a, we enter with the blood of Christ by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us, through the veil that is his flesh. In other words, when Christ sacrificed his flesh, his life, his body on the cross, then when he died, remember what happened in the temple? It says that after he says it is finished and he accomplished our forgiveness, it says the veil was ripped in half. It was ripped in two supernaturally by God. We now have access to God by a new and living way. We have a new and living way to follow Christ. I love when Ryan talks about that we exist as a church to help people experience life in Christ and to learn to follow Him. That's what we mean, is learning this new and living way to follow Him, not in our own strength, but in His strength. That's, the, that's what he's talking about. We have a new and living way, a new path up the mountain to make progress and it's Christ's way. It's provided by Him and His Word. Number three, and He says, and we have a, a new high priest. We have a, a new and great high priest. It's kind of interesting that um, right a few verses earlier than this, here's how He describes the change. Look at chapter 10, verse 10. Hebrews 10, 10 says, By this will we, by this will, uh, will we have been sanctified... We have been cleansed, we have been set apart to God through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. He died one time for all of mankind, for all of their sins. And he says, every priest, meaning other priests, every normal priest stands daily ministering and offering sacrifices time after time after time, the same sacrifices, which can never really take away sins. But Jesus having offered one sacrifice for sin for all time, sat down at the right hand of God. It is finished. See, what he's saying is we have this new and living way. We have a great high priest. 
We have a person named Jesus Christ. We don't just have a new faith to follow or a new path up the mountain. We actually, to use the metaphor of the morning, it's like you have a new guide. You have a new person who's going to pack your backpack. He's going to show you the way to go. He's going to model it for you, and he's going to walk with you every single day of 2018 because you, if you have trusted in him, if you put your faith in Christ, he says, I'm, I'm with you. We have a new great high priest. I'm interceding for you. I'm talking to the Father. I'm reminding my heavenly Father whenever you sin that, you know, yeah, remember that Dale has a history of messing up. This should not surprise you, heavenly Father. It's not the first time that he had good intentions, but he screwed up. But remember, Father, he trusted in me. I paid the price for his sins. He's your child with all of his warts, all of his flaws, he's still your child. We love him. He's part of the family. We have a new intercessor in Jesus Christ. We have a new high priest who travels with us through life. So as you get ready to move forward in 18, you know, the thing you need first is realize you have, you have a very real reason to have hope that 18 is going to be better than 17. This is, not just, this is not just hype, this is hope. The difference in hype and hope, by the way, is when a pastor gives you hype, he just gets up and says, you know something, God loves you, I love you, next year is going to be better, so give more money and I'll send you a blessing, okay? That's hype. That's some positive thinking person. That's the power of positive thinking. I'm not talking about just the power of positive thinking. I'm talking about the power of a positive truth that you really can't expect next year to be better. If you approach it with new confidence based on the grace of God and what Christ did, a new and living way. Don't try to live 17 in the way of other, other guides but follow the one true great high priest, the true guide who goes with you, intercedes for you, helps you, sends his spirit to live in you, to empower you to climb higher. Wow, that's pretty cool. Now that gives me a little hope. But I love the fact that God's word never stops with just giving us hope. It gives us help. It gives us direction. And new help for the climb is this. The big idea is this. Don't climb alone. When you go into 2018, don't climb alone. Where do I see that? Well, listen to the three let us's. The first one, therefore, verse 23, or excuse me, verse uh, 22. Therefore, let us draw near. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean and our bodies washed with pure water. What's he talking about? Number one, let us draw near. He uses three phrases to encourage you to draw near to God. Number one, draw near to God with a sincere heart. You know what I love about that? When he says draw near with a sincere heart, um, he doesn't say draw near to God once you get your act together. He doesn't say that, does he? Do we have that on the screen? Draw near with a sincere heart. And then secondly, draw near with a full assurance of faith. Maybe we don't have that. Just write them down. They're good. There we go. I knew. See, it's a miracle. It happens. 
Draw near with a sincere heart, not perfect. God's not looking for perfect climbers. He's not looking for perfect followers. He's looking for people that are sincere. In other words, be real. Be real. Be real about your failures. Be real about your successes. Be real about your fears. Be real about the, the times you want to celebrate. You know, but just be real. Be sincere. Be serious and sincere about your faith. Number two, he says, draw near with full assurance of faith. Notice he says, it's by faith that you have full assurance, full confidence that God is with you, that his way is right, that his presence is there, that you can draw into his presence. Draw near with full assurance, by faith. By the way, if it doesn't say draw near with full assurance whenever you feel like it. Because there's times in which I don't feel like drawing near to God. Because I kind of figure God and I are probably not getting along real well right now. And it's usually my fault, not his. But he says, draw near in faith. God has promised to love you as you are. He proved it on the cross. He's promised to be with you. So let your faith give you full assurance, not how you feel. Feelings kind of come and go. Okay, they come and go with the circumstances of life, but not faith. Faith can be your anchor. Have full assurance of faith. And number three, know that you have been sprinkled clean and washed with pure water. Both are symbols of purity. The sprinkling clean was a symbol that the priest would come, the high priest would come into the temple and he would sprinkle the blood of the sacrifice on the, on the holy place as a symbol of of, of a sacrifice for sin. But now Christ has ripped the veil and you have been eternally sprinkled by His blood, cleansed by His blood, and He uses two metaphors, the sprinkling clean of an evil conscience. Is your conscience at times evil? You bet. You have evil thoughts, you do evil things. We all do at times. But He says you've been sprinkled clean of an evil conscience and you have been washed with the pure water of what Christ has done for us. Wow. So yeah, we can, we can draw near to God. Jesus really, I think, teaches the same thing to us in John chapter 15. John chapter 15, Jesus talked to his disciples right before he went to the cross. And he said, look, think of it this way. I am the vine, and you're just branches. If you want to bear more fruit, if you want to bear the fruit of godliness, if you want to be more like Christ, if you want to learn to love people better, if you want to learn how to be more like Christ and to bear the fruit of God's Spirit, then you do it by abiding, stay close, draw near, be dependent upon Christ, not yourself. See, branches can only bear fruit whenever they're closely attached to the vine. Because Christ is the vine. He's the source of life. And as we stay close to Him and depend on Him and rely upon Him, not ourselves, then He promises to bear more fruit. So if you want more fruit in 2018 than 2017, you've got to draw near to God throughout the year. What can you do this year to make sure you draw near? Stay close. Stay close to Christ. The second phrase he uses, though, is this. Number one, let us draw near. But again, and the passage outlines this for us. It's always smarter than us. 
Verse 23, let us, and let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Let us hold fast and he, to the confession of our hope. So yeah, you know, on January, you know, December 31st, you say, okay, well, I've got hope for the new year. Well, guess what? Throughout the year, you're going to have to not only draw close, you're going to have to hold fast. If you're going to succeed in climbing higher on your mountain, you've got to hold fast. Now, what do you hold fast to? Do you hold fast to your abilities? And again, no, he keeps pointing us back to Christ. He says, number one, hold fast without wavering. What that tells me is we can expect to be tempted to, to let go. Hold fast without wavering, where one day you're holding fast, the next day you're not. Why, why would that happen? It's a warning that real life will tempt you to let go. Real life will tempt you to step away from God, not toward Him. To draw away, not draw close. So that's what life is. So as you go into 2018, let me, let me just give you a little, a little heads up. For most of us, there will be, if not all of us, there will be a time in 2018, something will happen where God will disappoint you. Are you ready for that? What, how are you going to react when that happens? There'll be a prayer that you pray that really matters to you where God will either be silent or he will say, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do that. There will be seasons of loss. There will be things that we lose that we love. There will be people that we lose that we love. There will be goals that we reach for that we don't get. There will be times when you're climbing and you think, yeah, God really wants me to reach for that next ledge, and you're going to reach for the next ledge, and it's going to crumble off. I don't know what it is, but it's going to be something that matters to you enough that you will be tempted to let go. You know, I'm just done being disappointed by God. If you want to read a good book for the new year, I've recommended this one before. Read Disappointment with God by Philip Yancey. It's one of the best books in my library because he, he deals very honestly with why does God let bad things happen to the people that he loves? And you've got to be ready for that. You've got to hold fast, which tells me there's going to be things that try to take you away. So draw near, hold fast, and you, don't, you do it without wavering. Why? Next phrase is because he who promised is faithful. See, we don't hold fast because we know that we can do it. No, we hold fast because we know that God, who makes promises, is faithful to fulfill his promises. When God says, I will never leave you or forsake you, that's true. When God says, I will cause all things that happen in your life to work together for good for those who love me and are called according to my purposes, Romans chapter 8, verse 28, then that is true. When God says, um, you can do all things through Christ, through me, when I strengthen you, that, that is true. When God says in Philippians 4, 19, for my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That is true. It's true. And you've got to either hold fast to it or you're going to let loose of it as soon as something in your life goes screwy and it doesn't go the way you expect. See, life is a battle. 
trying to climb the mountain. Who was the Himalaya guy here? Where, where, who were you? Stand up, okay. Stand up for me. I want to ask you a couple questions. So when you're climbing the Himalayas, right, okay, was that kind of easy? Any, yeah. Was there a point where you were tempted to give up? The alternative was worse. <laughs> okay, yeah. Was there a time in which you were fearful? A time in which you wished you had never started? Maybe no, good. That was probably a bad question. Now, that doesn't really fit my metaphor this morning either. Okay, yeah. My point is it was hard, right? You had to do, did you train or just take off and decide to do this? Yeah, you trained. Yeah, thank you, that's enough. I just need a little more sermon, okay, and you help me out there. Yeah. See, that is real life, and in real life, number one, you've got to draw near. You've got to stay near to Christ. Number two, you've got to hold fast and expect at times for life to bring up a storm, to bring up a blizzard, to get slippery, to get hard, expect it. And when it happens, you say, hey, this is life. Number three. And then he has a third, let us. And let us, verse 24, look at it. Let us consider, let us think, reflect on how we can stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Not forsaking assembling together as is a habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This one's rich. It's interesting because now the first part has been, hey, don't travel alone if you want some help. Draw near to God. Hold fast to his promises and his word and everything else. But thirdly, you better involve yourself with some other climbers and don't climb alone. Never climb alone. Did you climb alone in the Himalayas? You bet. Because if he had climbed alone, he wouldn't be here today. His frozen corpse would be somewhere on the mountain. Hate to say that to you. But. Amen? True? True. Yeah. Never climb alone. And, and it doesn't mean just stay connected to God. It means to connect to the body of Christ. Let us, as followers of Christ, stimulate one another to love and good deeds it's fascinating to me that when he summarizes the Christian life, he chooses those two terms. You know, when Jesus said, what's the greatest commandment, what did he say? He said the greatest commandment is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You know, this is basically the same thing. It's love and good deeds. It's learning, you know, we need to be stimulating each other because the two most important things to make 2018 a better year is when you love more like Christ, you love people better than you loved them last year. And you serve them more than you did last year. Good deeds. Don't just love them emotionally. Put it into action. Show your love for people. Show your love for your family. Show your love for your spouse, your children, your best friends if you're single. Show your love to this world as we try to impact Encinitas and around the globe. It's got to be good deeds. Those are things you do. 
Don't just talk it, walk it. Don't just talk the faith, walk the faith, live out the good deeds, love and good deeds. So if you want a goal for next year, just that's the two, he says, stimulate one another in those two areas toward love and good deeds. Now, how do you do that? He uses three phrases. Here they are. Number one, make sure you assemble together regularly and don't forsake doing that, as is the habit of some. Let me tell you something. I don't know what it was like for the author of Hebrews to write to the church in the first century, but I, I know one thing. The church in Encinitas in North County, is it ever, do we slip into the habit of really not assembling together regularly? I saw a survey that said when you ask people, do you attend church on a regular basis? That 20 years ago, people only checked that box yes if they were basically in church unless they were sick or on vacation or out of town. They would check that yes. Today, the exact same survey, what they've learned is people will check that box yes if they come once or twice a month. See, our culture's changed. What he's warning us is if you want to draw near and not let loose and hold fast, you got to assemble regularly. It's one reason why God designed this planet and this time today to be a seven-day week, and every seventh day, he says, get together with other climbers and rest and encourage one another. Yeah, we need it. Make worship a high priority. Make being in a life group a high priority. Get in a a life group here at Seacoast so that through your weekly worship and your regular weekly life group experience, you are being stimulated by one another. He says, don't just assemble regularly. When you do it, encourage one another. You know, I love the fact that whether it's Ryan or Matt or myself or Joe or anyone else here, one of our goals is to teach the Word of God in a way that stimulates you and encourages you toward love and good deeds because that's life. That's what keeps us climbing. And then finally he adds this phrase, which usually gets left off when this passage is taught. He says, and all the more. In other words, this is doubly important as you see the day drawing near. Now what the heck is that? As you see the day drawing near. That's a phrase used in Scripture for the return of Jesus Christ, where someday... Jesus Christ will return and we'll all be face to face with him. No matter how you want to describe how it goes down, okay? But the reality is there is coming a day when Christ will return and life as we know it will be changed forever. And if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've trusted him, he's your Lord, he's your Savior, guess what? You're going to be face to face with him. And your chance to have an impact on this planet is over. You have a glorious eternity waiting for you in a place called the new heaven and the new earth. And, and, and that's, that's glorious. You have a glorious eternity purchased by Christ, promised by Christ, awaiting you if you've got your faith in him. But your impact on this planet is over. He says, as you see the day drawing near, as you sense that you know, maybe my time on this planet is soon going to be over. So there's two things that will end your time on the planet. Either Christ returns and you go to be with him, 
or else the other way that's been going on forever is you suddenly, for whatever reason, check out. Your heart stops, but your soul never dies. You go into the presence of Christ. It's called death. You never know when it's going to happen. If you watched the news this morning or last night, you saw featured uh, a tragic car accident that happened probably one minute before I drove through the intersection at the bottom of the hill where I live. Somebody driving that car, I don't know their name, never dreamed when they got in the car to drive down Alicante in Carlsbad that this was the end of their life. But all of a sudden, boom, it's over. It can happen unexpectedly to the youngest person in this room or the oldest. Others of us kind of see our hair falling out and turning gray, and we think, you know, the, the clock is ticking. But the reality is, for all of us, the clock is ticking. So what he's saying is this, especially as you see the day drawing near, when either Christ will return and will go to be with him, or you check out and go to be with him, don't waste life. It's a gift. You got one life to live. Don't waste it. And especially as you think about, someday I'm going to stand in the presence of Christ. That should, that should stimulate us to love and good deeds, stimulate us, encourage us, let us know that our future is safe and secure in heaven with Him. But now, invest this life in things that matter. Use your time, use your job. When you go to school, even though it's depressing to think of school starting back, right? Yeah, I, I remember those days. Yeah. See, some of us wish we were back in school with hair. Should have seen me in the day. Yeah. It's a distant memory, though. But here's the deal. You got one life, and as you anticipate, live for things that matter. Invest, whether it's at school or at work, in your job, in the workplace, in the community, with your neighbors. How do you make a difference? It's one thing Becky and I have been asking ourselves. It's why that we're spending more of our time now trying to train pastors in Africa and doing things that we feel God wants us to do. God has a plan for every one of you. For most of you, it probably doesn't involve going to Africa several times a year, but for all of you, it involves saying, God, how do I take whatever you give me, my time, my resources, my money, my relationships, my friendships, how do I take those and how do I leverage those so that eternity is different for someone? That's a great question. In fact, you could add that to 2018's goals. How many people did you impact for eternity in 2017? You know something? You're pretty much out of time on that one unless you rush home and pick up the phone. But you got, for most of us here, I trust we have 2018 looking forward. You got all kinds of reason to have hope, new confidence, a, a new and better way spelled out by Christ a new high priest to climb with you, 
And you got a simple formula. Draw near to Christ and stay there. Hold fast to the faith. And don't let go. And if you're going to succeed in either of those, you better love and encourage. Let us assemble together. Let us stimulate one another. Let's challenge each other toward love and good deeds. Better lovers for Christ. Better good deeds for His kingdom in 2018. And if you do this, I guarantee you that at the end of 2018, your elevation, no matter where you are right now, whether you're in Death Valley or at sea level or 4,000, 6,000, wherever you are right now, I guarantee you, you will climb higher if you do that. Pray with me. Father God, thank you so much for the wisdom of your word as we try to figure out life, as we try to figure out how to, uh, how to climb higher. Father, we don't want to stay in the tent. We don't want to fall down the mountain. We want to make progress to be all that you want us to be, to do all that you want us to do. And thank you that in Christ we have our hope and we have our help. So take us higher as a church, as followers of you. We love you. Thank you for Seacoast. Thanks for the chance to grow together as a family. And Father, even now as we move into our time of offering, it's part of our worship. It's part of the way that we want to say we love you, we trust you, and the ministries of our church really, really matter. We want to worship you with our gifts, with generosity now, in Christ's name. Amen.